Well, good afternoon and welcome to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, and you're coming, we're coming to you from the Coming Home Network International Studios in Ohio, but you're hearing us on EWTN Radio. A great privilege to be involved with EWTN all these years. This program each week is uh, an opportunity for particularly guests that I've had on the Journey Home program to join me, um, essentially for another hour to discuss in more details their journey of faith, but particularly from Scripture. And often that's from the angle of the verses we never saw, Scriptures that awakened us to the beauty of the Catholic Church, the fullness of faith in Christ and His Church. And our guest today is uh, Mark Mazza, and he was raised Catholic during his sophomore year in college. Uh, He was born again after being introduced to Protestant, the Protestant message. He left the Catholic Church for 15 years, ending up in a non-denominational church with five kids and a wife, Julie, and some of that time was bouncing between different churches. His father died in 1994, causing him to question the evangelical roots, and particularly uh, the Blessed Mother had opened the door for both he and his father, uh, really reiterating and confirming his father's Catholic faith, but it also had an influence on Mark. After three years of prayer, being introduced to the testimony of Dr. Scott Hahn and and the revelation of the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist, Mark and his wife and five children were welcomed back to the Catholic Church. Julie was raised Baptist, and as Mark says in his bio, enough said. (laughs) Since then, God continues to reveal the beauty and truth of the Eucharist, along with the tenderness of the church teaching. So Mark's going to join us today. We've just uh, heard his whole story on the Journey Home program. And if you didn't hear that, uh, you want to check out EWTN.com. They'll list the rebroadcast times for the Journey Home on Thursday and Saturday night. You can also watch it on YouTube. You can also watch it on EWTN.com. So we want you to hear Mark's whole story. We'll re- review a little bit of it in a moment. But as we discussed what scriptures he might like to cover in deep in scripture, uh, in other words, what particular scriptures helped him discover the beauty of the church, the first thing that uh, jumped out at him which almost seemed like an obvious place to begin, is John chapter 3. Because, in fact, the reason that he left the Catholic Church was because an evangelical had convinced him that he needed to leave the church if he was to have a personal relationship with Jesus, if he was to be born again. So let me read those passages, and then in a moment, Mark will join us. And this is John chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. You're listening to Deep in Scripture, coming to you from the Coming Home Network International, and you're hearing us on EWTN. Global Catholic Radio Network. EWTN.com is online with program information, the latest news, Pope Benedict XVI, plus tools for living the faith like prayers, Catholic Q&A, and other resources. Log on today to EWTN.com. If you enjoy the Journey Home television program on EWTN, you'll want to purchase a copy of Marcus Gerdai's book, Journey's Home. Journey's Home contains the conversion stories of men and women who, as a result of their surrender to Jesus Christ, heard a call to follow him more completely in the Catholic Church. 
Many of them were Protestant pastors or missionaries. Others were laymen who, though working in secular jobs, took their calling to serve Christ in the world very seriously. To order your copy of Marcus Gridite's book, Journeys Home, simply visit our website at www.chresources.com or call us toll-free at 1-800-664-5110. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi. In a moment, I'll be joined by uh, Mark Mazza. Yes. And uh, before I jump into it, Mark, just a second, I want to remind the audience, my son, John Mark, who's our web designer here, uh, our internet guru here at the Coming Home Network, has just released a brand new chnetwork.org website, and it's phenomenal. And I want to encourage all the listener, all the listeners, to check out chnetwork.org. That is the Coming Home Network website, and everything you'd ever want to know about anything related to the Catholic Church, you can connect to through our website. A lot of conversion stories, but when you go to the website, there's a link that says "Watch and Listen." If you click on that website, you can listen to the Deep in Scripture Journey Home program, archived programs. There's a forum, lots of good stuff. And so I encourage you to go to our new website. Well, Mark, welcome to Deep in Scripture. Marcus, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here and an honor to be here. So. Well, I also thank you for joining me on the Journey Home program. And uh, again, as I mentioned in the that uh, program, uh, you were here, but also that you've got some issues in your life right now with your wife uh, recovering for from an automobile accident. So we're extending our prayers for her. I mean, she's doing much better, right? Yes, she's doing fine. We uh, we had a head-on collision uh, May 13th yeah, wow. on our way to a uh, my son's graduation from Saver University. Um, as we were getting on the expressway, uh, someone lost control of their car, and just we had no nowhere to go except uh, just to try to stop. And she came right in head-on into our uh, into our vehicle, and my wife mm. uh, sustained a uh, broken neck and. Uh, and uh, eventually, I think two days later, they had to fuse her second uh, mm. vertebrae or C2 vertebrae to her third. And by prayers and by God's grace, um, she's going to make a full recovery. And uh, yeah. really, she, there's no damage to her spinal cord. And we're just every day just look at each other and just thank God that uh, she's going to live a normal life and everything should be fine. Well, those kinds of experiences right remind us how fragile life is how quickly things can happen that's how, right that's how our right. entire lives rest in the grace of god amen amen and i'll tell you i think too both of us have been just uh so blessed by the um outpouring of love and prayers and people we don't even know or people that have you know we have an extended family I have 10 or nine brothers and sisters so mm -hmm. you can imagine and and on the west side of Cincinnati, having that many brothers and sisters and uh, nieces and nephews and uh, people that have heard the story and uh, just are so thankful to hear that Julie's going to be fine. She's a she's a fighter, and if you know Julie, she's going to be uh, she's going to be she's she's going to be fine. And I think I'm just <laughs> again, I, like I said, I'm just so thankful for the many prayers that people have offered, and I think God has been been very merciful we know that there's some other people that don't come through accidents like that right. and i don't i did yeah. not that i Every deserve minute, amen right so i was trying to prepare myself for whatever the lord was going to allow right. us to go through but we just are very very thankful that uh he has saw to it that he has uh allowed her to live a very normal life and uh, things will go we'll, on as normal we'll Marcus. Keep, keep her and your whole family in, in thank our you. prayers and encourage thank the you. audience to do that thank you and uh, encourage the audience just to reflect also, all of us, you know, that we think we're the best drivers in the world. And you just never know That's when right. That's right. our life moves so fast That's around right. us. So we need to even trust more and more in our Lord Jesus. Amen. And uh, who knows our life from beginning to end. That's right. Um, you shared your journey mm -hmm. on the Journey Home program, as I right. mentioned earlier. But uh, just to expand it a little bit, sure. and since this is our scripture Right. <laughs> version to right. a certain extent mm -hmm. your journey of faith 
from Catholicism into evangelicalism and back to the Catholic Church was, in fact, a journey of Scripture. Sure, absolutely. I think um, when I um, got the job out in, when I was a sophomore in, at, at Xavier University and uh, some very kind people, I mean, I want to tell you, the people that shared the gospel with me, I think, had a genuine uh, love and a concern for my soul. And what they were sharing with me was not to... Um, uh, manipulate me. Yeah. They were just they weren't cons- trying to trick you. They no. really wanted to make sure you knew our Absolutely. Lord Jesus. Absolutely. They, yep. they, they grew a liking to me. We became friends and um, it was a mutual thing. I watched their excitement for scripture, which I was attracted to. And I think they were concerned about my eternal destiny out of a genuine concern. So I, I've never felt any uh, manipulation at all, but they were sharing some scriptures, Marcus, that uh, in a, in a way, that was positioning um, questions in my mind of, uh, did I know Jesus the way I need to know Jesus? I, I remember the scripture, um, it talked about many will say, Lord, Lord, and yes. I never knew you. And I have to, I remember thinking to myself, um, I don't want to be one of the people that he didn't know. Hmm. So I remember as a young man saying, Lord, I don't care what it takes for me to know you. And that means... Um, accepting and because uh, I knew my family was going to be a little bit upset with me um, kind of embracing the Bible the way uh, I was embracing it. Uh, but I knew that I wanted to follow Jesus, whatever it took. So these guys were sharing some scriptures. And one of the scriptures that he shared was um, John 3, 3. And uh, now, how did you remember that as a good, faithful Catholic? As a faithful Catholic, I, I, I you know, I, I would, re- I read the, I'm sure I read it a hundred times. I'm sure I've <laughs> heard seen it a hundred times. Heard it. Yeah. Um, did I give it to consideration that obviously the emphasis these guys did know, but no. um, um, now some let me ask you this, Brett. Yeah. Some people think that Catholics are discouraged from reading the Bible. As you look back on your early days of faith, was that true? I, no, no. I don't think I was ever discouraged from reading the Bible. It just wasn't something that was a uh, in, something that was encouraged to do, and something that uh, um, I guess Mass was always our focal point for right. spiritual growth. And the Bible was kind of a auxiliary type activity. If you wanted to do it, you'd have a Bible somewhere, you know, either on a coffee table or up on a bookshelf, but it wasn't something that yeah. we read daily. Well, nearly everything in Mass is from the Scriptures. <laughs> so it's almost easy to take for granted, oh. but you're getting Scripture all the time, every time you go to Mass. Correct. But outside of Mass, some people are not encouraged. Yeah. Not discouraged, but it just doesn't come up. Yeah, I remember. Sadly, as much as it should. It was. When I became, um, when after I accepted the Lord and... Um, I did have a true conversion. I had, you know, it was a, I have to admit, there was a, a hunger for the scripture. There was a hunger to be with other people. And I remember sharing the gospel with my grandfather, who um, I wanted to share the message because I want everybody I loved and cared for. Right. I wanted to make sure they were going to heaven and I was going to be there with them. And I remember sitting down with my grandfather and saying, Grandpa, um, do you know? I want you to know Jesus is your personal Savior. And he, he had some questions, but I wanted him to read it out of the Bible. And I know one of the things he said that really concerned me and angered me. He said, well, Mark, wait a minute. We were taught not to read necessarily. We were to read, uh, to read the Bible and have our own interpretations of that. And uh, that, con- that, that yeah. really concerned me. I'm thinking, here's God's word that he's given us. And here's my grandfather that was instructed literally not to read the bible there you go yeah and i and then and then my my anger not anger but my um suspicion toward the catholic church grew and grew and i think that was uh some of my motivation to reach uh other catholics that i felt were in the same darkness that i was that knew about god but didn't know him personally and using that type of vernacular so the discouragement Mm -hmm. was not so much that catholics shouldn't read the bible but that there, we live in a soup of America and a lot of its Protestantism that believes that what's important is individual interpretation. That's the danger. That mm-hmm. was the fear. Yes. Is that 
is that Catholics would read the Scripture and then rather than follow the teaching of the Church would just lift themselves up as, I'm sure you would never do this as your own Pope. <laughs> you know I did. You know I did. And that, that is a danger. And I, I think now that I look back at my grandfather's response, I can appreciate what the Church was trying to say because there is that danger of yeah. having a thousand different interpretations to a one, a tru- one truth. Which you had in your own experience as an evangelical. You explained in the journey home that you were with one group and then you were drawn to another to be more full. Correct. Correct. And then after that, you wanted to go to a different denomination to have a maybe back off from the quote fullness or the exuberation or the enthusiasm of one. Right. And it was right. all different interpretations. Which one is right? Which That's one right. Is more That's s- right. And I and I continued to watch that, uh, Marcus. And again, I, I I really as I was getting older now to my thirties and in my forties, I, I could I was now the same age as some of the pastors. And some of these pastors would share their hearts with me and some of their burdens. And as a young, as a young evangelical, I thought, oh, these pastors, all, they have it all together. They're, they're completely 100% um, convinced of every aspect of Scripture. But then I would get alone with some of these pastors, and they're looking at me saying, Mark, I'm not even sure that if this is exactly the way, if this denomination, I'm thinking they, they were saying that they're different than the denomination that they were part of. Yeah. And I used to think if they're not convinced and they're having their own doubts about things, again, where was the authority? And these poor guys, a lot of them, I could see it was gnawing at them, just slow gnawing kind of. But they would have to put on that uh, every Sunday to make sure that that sermon was was very impactful and right on because they were fearful that if it wasn't that uh, they were going to lose people and— and their jobs depended well, on it. So yeah. I really, I really felt that uh, the burden for some of these young pastors that uh, the had that had that burden. It's interesting you describe it that way because that's. I don't. We didn't talk about this, but that's what led to my own resignation of my pastor. Wow. When I was a Presbyterian pastor, committed to Scripture and committed to our Lord Jesus and committed to what was too true, and James says no one should choose to be a teacher because you'll be doubly responsible. Basically, that I wasn't. I became more and more concerned that my Presbyterian angle was different than the Baptist, the Methodist, the Episcopalian, the Lutheran, Pentecostal. Right. How do you know which one's true? That's right. And That's in time, right. I had to resign from the pastorate because of that issue. Amen. But Amen. let's get back to <laughs> okay. this because this is, this is good stuff, though. Right. I mean, this Amen. shows your background. Yes. And so in a, in a way, this passage was one of those that awakened you to the Correct. need to return to the church. Correct. Well, I thought, um, again, coming into the evangelical um, um, churches, I mean, this is kind of a, this is somewhat of your uh, uh, announcement that you're yeah. you're part of them. If you're born again, give me the term, I'm a born again Christian. And um, Jesus lo- said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Amen. Well, sounds pretty clear. Sound, yeah, sounded very clear when I when I first heard that. So I'm thinking, <laughs> whatever that takes, that's what I want to do. Yeah. Um, so I embraced that as a as a young man, and uh, I, you know, again, I consider myself a born again Christian, and uh, and I stayed. You know, that that was a, that was an anchor um, part of my testimony. I mean, a lot of we know that most born again Christians have their testimony, and right? So their born again experience, and that was my born that that was my testimony of how god re- gave me a new life and a new beginning and i and again i think there was a conversion that happened yeah. during that time but as i would say in my journey back to the catholic church <clears throat> god revealed to me more about what was going on with that exchange between nicodemus and jesus and i always was always concerned when nicodemus came up to jesus and you know and asked that question and jesus just jumped to a salvation issue and I thought that's kind of abrupt but really I think the Lord showed me that he was saying to Nicodemus you can't even see the you not you've got to take the first step to even see the kingdom of heaven because he was concerned because he's trying to explain to Nicodemus things and we can even see in verse uh, it says rabbi I know that you are a teacher come from God for no one can do these signs unless you um, 
unless God is with him. Jesus answered, Truly I say to you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? So right away we see the Nicodemus, there's some spiritual blindness here. Yes. It's someone, and I'm not going to say immaturity, but he was unaware of what Jesus was trying to show him. So he even goes on back down in, uh, back in, in verse 10. Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and you do not understand this? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. So Jesus was even concerned that, boy, you're a rabbi, and you st- <laughs> and these are ABCs of what it means, and you're still not there. So um, I continued to pray about the whole, the whole scenario, and I began to see that baptism— is what Jesus was talking about. The entry into the family of God is the beginning of being able to see what what it's all about. That's the, it, it struck me, I had been a Catholic for about 18 years, honestly. And it wasn't until then that I was listening to a Dominican giving a, a, a presentation on what does justification mean. Mm-hmm. And I won't spend old time now because right. I, but, but the main thing he pointed out, and it hit me, that when I was an evangelical, when I think of justification, it was always in the context of being saved. Right. You're justified and now you're saved. And I was one of those once saved, always saved types, uh, right. Calvinists. So once you're justified, you've arrived. Where he said that traditionally the understanding of justification is when you're justified, you become, you've become a part of the family. Right. Through baptism, you become a part of the family. Mm-hmm. Now we are called to live like being a part of the family, sanctification. Right. In this context, as you pointed out, Mark, as an evangelical, you immediately understood that when he said he cannot see the kingdom of God as salvation. Right, right. In yeah. other words, someday if you die, you're not going to see the kingdom because you were not born again. Right. In the context, as more to do with really what it means to see. Yes. Enlightenment. Yes. And I think Jesus was concerned about that in a tender way. Not necessarily just kind of jumping to a from a question and an observation by a rabbi who was seek because Jesus sensed he was seeking him. Yeah. You know, Jesus was always he knew the heart of the seeker. So he responded in a way of saying almost tenderly saying, we need, we need to start at the beginning here, Nicodemus, because if I'm going to explain these things to you and you're going to understand who I am, then you need to have your eyes open even to begin to appreciate who I am. But what is the context here of how one is born again then? The whole context. Right. With water and the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Baptism as the beginning point. And the continuation of, like you're saying, once you're in the fam- once you have entered in the family, then it'll be a continuation of what he's going to show you. He doesn't. He couldn't show Nicodemus everything on the first, the first encounter. That's what I love about Nicodemus. We see him at the end, even at the end of the Gospels. Who's who is at the, uh, yeah. who's who's who was at this, his burial? Little. Yeah. It was Nicodemus. It's almost like the scriptures were saying Nicodemus got it. Yeah. And it's confirmed here by him how he's responded at the end of the Gospels. Well, there are contexts where the Jewish leaders are offended that mm. John the Baptist, for example, is calling them the baptism and that this, this new movement is calling them the baptism and they don't want to go there. And Jesus said, this is where you begin. Begin. You humbly, like Naaman in the Old Testament, have to be willing to get down into the dirty waters of the Jordan. Yeah. Jordan. This is where it begins. That's right. That's right. And if you're not willing to, it's kind of a chicken and an egg because you need the grace to know. And in many ways, that's why the church from the very beginning recognizes it's for the entire family. Amen. Even if you don't understand it as a baby, (laughs) you receive the beginnings. That's right. That's right. So I I began to to look at John 3.3, understanding there was a newness and there was a time, but I saw the gentleness of what Jesus was doing. All right. We'll come back in a moment okay. and we'll pick up on this and maybe another verse. Good. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, joined today by Mark Mazza. And you're hearing us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network. 
Get an insider's look at the latest information from EWTN. Sign up for WINGS, EWTN's weekly email newsletter. Get the latest information about live events, special features, and guests. Connect with EWTN on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Just go to EWTN.com and click on the WINGS link to sign up. Don't miss a minute of all that's happening at EWTN. Get your WINGS today. Hi, this is Jerry Usher reminding you to listen to Vocation Boom Radio Saturday at 5 p.m. Eastern exclusively on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Each week I bring you dynamic interviews with bishops, priests, vocation directors, even seminarians and those who support them, all in an effort to assist the Holy Spirit in what is truly a vocation boom around the world. That's Vocation Boom Radio Saturdays at 5 p.m. Eastern only on EWTN Radio. CH Resources is excited to offer you Marcus Grodi's latest book, Thoughts for the Journey Home. If you're not Catholic, but are looking seriously at the Catholic Church, or if you've recently entered the church, this book will provide you with wisdom and encouragement for the journey. And if you're a lifelong Catholic, it makes a great gift for family and friends you're hoping will come home. To order a copy, visit our website at chnetwork.org or call us at 1-800-664-5110. Don't forget to watch the Journey Home program with Marcus Grodi on EWTN. Each week, Marcus meets new guests who have journeyed to the Catholic faith from many backgrounds. Be challenged and encouraged as they witness to how their love for the truth of Jesus Christ has brought them into full communion with the Catholic Church. That's the Journey Home program on EWTN, live on Monday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, joined today by Mark Mazza. He uh, appeared recently on the Journey Home program, and now we're kind of going deeper mm -hmm. into that, looking at Scripture. In the early part of the program, we looked at John 3. We're going to jump now ahead a couple of chapters to John 6. Right. And you mentioned in your journey that the Eucharist had a key place in your journey, um, and John 6 had a key place in that. But let me ask you, uh, you know, what did you do with John chapter 6 as an evangelical? That's a great question. <laughs> That's a great question. You know, I, I used to always, uh, you know, as evangelicals, and I love my evangelical um, years because it taught me really to appreciate Scripture, to uh, apply Scripture, to uh, discuss it, share it, um, to uh, investigate it, chew on it. I mean, I, I never, I never yeah. read the Bible like I did until I was uh, um, in the in the evangelical churches. So I, 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 there's a, I guess we all have uh, people that have been in the evangelical church and have journeyed home. Yep. You'll hear, con I think you'll hear that they loved that time because they really fell in love with the scriptures. Um, but well, let's get back to talking about John six. It's amazing. I, you know what? I don't know how. I, I'll be honest with you. I don't know how I could have read John 6 and <laughs> not it really not had a legitimate um, question in my mind if I was really open to what it was saying during that time. Wow, what is Jesus really saying here? So I think there was, it, it's evident to me in any kind of denomination you're in, if you kind of put those denominational goggles on sometimes, they can influence even how you can um, allow the Holy Spirit to reach your heart. So I think, uh, again, on my journey back to the, to the Catholic Church, uh, through listening to Scott Hahn and to listening to some other um, Catholic teachers about the Eucharist, I, I, had, I think it takes courage and it takes a willingness to allow Scripture to speak for itself. So... Um, my first rereading of John 6, I think I was just blown away thinking, wow, Jesus is really laying it on the line here. And it's the first time that I really read it without any goggles on it. That means no Catholic goggles, no evangelical goggles. I just read those words yeah. and said, Lord, what, what, what's going on here? And, and, and it sounded, and what God was showing me was, 
he was giving us something so precious and so powerful and loving that he went to the extreme of saying that he was going to allow us to, he was going to feed us and what the lord kept showing me again was he knew we talk about journey home but really it's a journey home to heaven yep <laughs> right right so i i began to see that if anybody if a mother was packing a lunch for a son on a journey what would he pack him food he would pack him she would she would lovingly give him something to eat and i think that's what jesus has done he has found a way the most radical way of saying i'll be with you not only with you but i'm going to feed you yeah. and they're going to read that passage okay. in a little bit that's good. but I, what i want to admit too is when i was an evangelical pastor i was mm-hmm. an evangelical protestant for 40 years and then a pastor for the last 10 or so um i didn't completely avoid John chapter 6, but I would preach it as essentially as uh, an entire unit that dealt with believing in Jesus and seeing the entire chapter as a winnowing down Mm -hmm. from the crowd down to the leaders, down to the disciples, down to the 12, and then down to Peter. Right. I mean, as at the hard words of Jesus. Mm Mm-hmm. What I look back on a bit with shame is that when I dealt with this passage as an evangelical, I wrote off the the literal intent of his words, but I recognized that they were difficult words. So in other words, I was saying they misunderstood and so do the Catholics. So it's kind of what I'm saying. But, But the question, the bottom line is, are you willing to take Jesus at his word. That's the point to me of John 6. Amen. And you get down to Peter at the end, which we'll look in a little bit. But I avoided verses 52 through 59. And let me read those, Mark, and then I'll let you jump in and okay. talk about the significance of what these verses came to mean for you. 52, the Jews then disputed among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Which, let me just as an aside here, in other words, the Jewish listeners took him seriously. Yes, they thought they were resp- They were reacting because what he was saying. Yeah, okay. they saw something that they didn't. It's like it's not figuratively. They were taking him. They thought he was speaking literally, seriously. So, verse fifty-three. So Jesus said to them, "Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood." You have no life in you. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not such as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. Thus he said in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Now, Mark, hey, I, I don't blame the guys for being a bit uncomfortable with what he said. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, I, to hear those words for the first time and him speaking those words, I imagine, I, you're right, I can, I could, I, you almost could sense and understand the shock. We're going to what? He's telling us to what? So I, I agree with you. I think there is a there would be a natural a natural inclination, but I think again, if we're really listening to Jesus and believing Him, and sensing the love, because that's usually it's always behind His words, was a love and a devotion to His followers. So the the tenderness of that, you know, if you if you're gonna if you right if you're gonna concentrate on His words and just take them. Just without understanding who Jesus is, then that's a whole different story. You know, Mark, it's interesting that you've chosen these two sections of John because they really do connect. Mm -hmm. Because what you said that you discovered along the way is that Nicodemus, the issue was that having not been baptized, having not been born again with the water and the spirit, that he couldn't see. Right, right. Right. And that's the problem in John 6. That's a great Can point. Can you see 
what he is saying. That's right. That's right. And the religious leaders who had not received the graces of, of the baptism, had not had the anointing to awaken their minds to the truth, couldn't see. Couldn't see. That's a good point. That's a great point, too. I, and that, and that is our, that's our challenge, too. That's just not there. But you know what? We have to make sure. I love in, in, uh, in, uh, latest, in, in Revelation in the Church of Laodicea where uh, I have one thing against you. You have become rich and think you have need of nothing. Little do you know that you're poor, <laughs> wretched, and blind. And it goes on to say, buy from me gold refined in the fire and put on white clothing to cover your nakedness. Mm-hmm. And I love the last one. It says, and purchase uh, um ointment for your eyes that you may see <laughs> and i think you know I've, I've i've shared that and people shared that that scripture with me but i pray for that ointment all the time because i think we have a tendency to see what we want to see even us as catholics but what's beautiful about the catholic church and i think we discussed this before that's why the protection of the magisterium and having the church authority protects us from seeing erroneously because we all have a tendency to want to believe and see what we want to see and having the protection of the magisterium is i think one of the greatest is since i become catholic and return to the catholic church i nestle in her lap so comfortably and i nestle up underneath her with such feeling of um of love knowing that she is gonna she is gonna show me the truth if i don't see him clearly you know what she shows she shows me the truth and i and i love him that instead of me being the mini pope then i'm going to open a bible and i'm going to start reading and, and make my own decisions i'd like if i do have a conflict i can go back to the catechism and the catechism will expound on truths in a way that i feel very comfortable with well, that reference in the Revelation passage of having our eyes anointed that we yes. might see. But what is that we're talking about? And in the context of the church, we recognize that we have the sacramental graces. The sacraments are, you know, akin to incarnation, is that God uses physical matter as a, a means of, of giving grace. And the sacraments, baptism, is through baptism that we're born again. It's through... Uh, the Eucharist that we experience, the body and blood, the graces, all those things. And what I was going to point out, Mark, is in 2 Timothy 3 that points ahead to a time when there's going to be troubles in the church. He says that one of the signs of that problem in the future for Paul was they'd be holding the form of religion but denying the power of it. Amen. And the power is the grace that we receive sacramentally. And Mm. without that doesn't guarantee we can see that's right but the graces are there to enable us to see if we amen. humbly receive them amen. and act on them amen i was just discussing this with a guy in our in our uh, a bible study group that we have on thursday nights and one of the things um he was putting together was um i guess uh, kind of a teaching and trying to be a um a help for the for the pastor and one of the things we're talking about is the word conversion and he came, and I and I shared this with him, and he came up. He goes, "Mark, that's the word I need. You know, that's the word." And we were talking just the other night. I said, "You know, the thing is, I'm sharing with you, conversion happens at every sacrament. Think about. I mean, we're, we're converted at we're converted at baptism, so we can not only see, but we also can walk and and be who we were intended to be. The sacrament of reconciliation is a conversion. You're yeah. converting from an attitude of I want to do it my way." To Lord, I want to do it your way. The Eucharist is another sacrament of conversion. You are taking, it's the only time that we, we, we are taking in Jesus to be converted to him. Uh, the sacrament of holy orders, again, it's a conversion. As, and these, these men are devoting themselves and converting themselves to yep. serve the church. So every, every sacrament is a chance for us to see more, to 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 live the life that God wants us to live and convert. I mean, that, I well, mean, as, as Catholics, we convert. We can convert every Sunday more and more. Sadly, uh, in, and I, I know this from my own experience, so I'm not pointing fingers, but sadly in the evangelical movement mm. that has equated being born again with a mere acceptance of Jesus and then an ex, uh, emotional response is that they have missed the fact that in the baptism, when we are baptized, we 
become a new creation. The old right. is gone, the new has come, as Second Corinthians says, though we may not feel that with our senses. Right. It's something that really happens, just as in ordination, there is a new character that is transmitted to this man, though he may not feel it. Amen. It's, it really is different. And sadly, I think in history, many have rejected the power of the sacraments because they want to rely on their senses. Amen. And because that, that looks just like bread, it tastes just like bread, therefore it can't really be Jesus. That gets us back to the problem. Now, Mark, we're going to take another break. Okay. We come back. Let's jump back into this passage because I'm, I know we want to deal with Peter's final response, Amen. at least. So we'll, we'll come back in just a moment. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Mark Scrodi, joined today by Mark Mazza. And you're hearing us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network. The Coming Home Network International is a nonprofit Catholic lay apostolate dedicated to helping Protestant clergy and laity come home to the Catholic Church. It was founded by Marcus Grodi, the host of this program, as well as the Journey Home television program on EWTN. If you are on the journey and interested in learning more about the Coming Home Network International or know someone who's thinking of becoming Catholic, please visit our website, www.chnetwork.org, or contact us at one 800 664 Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, and I think I just blew some of you away from the, the headset there. I was loud, uh, but <laughs> I'm with Mark Mazza, and we're looking at John chapter 6. Uh, Mark, in the time remaining, there, John 6 is such yeah. a rich, but, but for you... Uh, where do you want to take us in this? Because there's so much great stuff in here. Well, I think we were just talking about um, the conclusion of this scene, I think, is uh, is pivotal because there's many things that could happen when Jesus saw some of these people leaving or some of these people, you know, taken off. And and if if if, if Jesus always clarified, if, if, if there was something that he felt he needed to clarify, and here he doesn't really clarify he kind of turns right to his disciples and I, I like in, in starting in verse 60 many of his disciples when they heard it said this is a hard saying who can listen to it but Jesus knowing in himself that his disciples murmured at all at it said to them do you take offense at this then what then what if you were to see the son of man ascending where he was before it is a spirit that gives life, and the flesh is of no avail. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Sometimes I know the Protestants, oh, Mark, you know, that's what he's talking about, spirit. You know, he's just talking. Well, again, let's look at those words again. It's spirit and life. So there, there's some serious issues well, here, too. Well, and we use the, the word in the spirit of things nowadays to mean that it's symbolic, or, but it's yeah. not used that way anywhere else in Scripture. That's right. a modern thing dropped into the Bible itself. Right. And again, if, if uh, too, and I kept praying about this too, if he was just talking in spirit and there was such a misinterpretation of the spirit and all these people left, then that's kind of unfair that Jesus didn't clarify. Yeah. So because he didn't go back, he was talking about his literal flesh, I believe, and I think the Lord has revealed that to me. Yeah, it's one thing if you're preaching to a huge crowd, yeah. something that's there makes a difference in your eternal soul. If if a few people leave, well, you do the best you can. That's right. But if most people leave, it's like, wait a second, what well, time wait out a, here? Yeah, wait. yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the first who was, for who... For Jesus knew from the first that those who did not believe and who was it, who it was that would betray him. And he said, this is why I have told you that no one can come to me unless he is granted him by the Father. Mm -hmm. And then we got here. He says, after many of his disciples drew back and no longer walked with him, Jesus said to the twelve, will you go away? And who, who, who obviously speaks up, our, our hero. <laughs> Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. When we have, and we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. 
Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? He goes on to explain a little bit more. But that interchange between Jesus looking at his disciples, I think he was looking at those guys saying, hey, do you guys, this is, I'm laying, I'm laying the foundation of, uh, of what I'm going to do, not only here, but on the cross and what is going to happen for the church as a whole. Once knew of a friend who was a pastor of a church, and when he became the pastor, he found a church that was a mess, and the priorities were wrong, and they weren't accomplishing their mission, and um, after a while, he realized that some radical stuff had to happen, mm-hmm. and he always joked when he said he preached that church down to nine, and then it grew. You almost see that in this chapter six. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus has a tremendous mission, and that is authentic truth Amen. of drawing them to the Father through him. Mm-hmm. And you have the crowd that doesn't understand, the teachers don't understand, his wider group of disciples don't understand, even the 12. Four. So he preaches it down to one. Amen. It's Peter. Peter. And then he says, upon you I'll build my church. And then he builds it up again. Amen. And the core that winnowed it down was the Eucharist, which is what brought you back to the church. Amen. Amen. I, people, a lot of people, uh, even my evangelical friends are like, Mark, are you serious? You know, they were, I'm, this is probably 10 years ago when they were, when I said, I, you know what, I feel like I'm, God is calling me back to the Catholic Church. Well, they thought God was calling me back to the Catholic Church so I could help them get saved. <laughs> and uh, I was going to be able to, you know, show them the truth right. of the gospel. And, uh, and I remember telling a lot of them, I said, no, he has nothing. I'm not going back to the Catholic Church because I'm bringing anything to the Catholic Church. I'm going back to the Catholic Church because I know I can be fed in a way that only I can be fed in the Catholic Church, and that's through the Mass. And I, I remember the first couple of times I went back to Mass, like you were saying, my eyes were open. I, mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I'm listening to the, the first reading, the second reading in the Gospel, and I'm realizing... The Mass is full of Scripture. Then I'm listening to Eucharistic prayer. All the prayers are dripping with Scripture, and they're beautiful prayers. And I think what happened is God opened my eyes to the reality of what the Mass is all about. And once that happened, Marcus, once God showed me the truth of the Eucharist and what is taking place at the Mass, I knew I had to become Catholic again. I mean, I, a lot of people, you know, I remember, you know, was I coming scratching and clawing? Not really, because when I really accepted the truth of the reality of the Eucharist, there was only one yeah. place I wanted to be. And, I, and I, I remember going to both, you know, just as I was leaving my Protestant church or my Catholic church to go to the Protestant, I was kind of hopping a fence. Yeah. I was kind of hopping a fence coming back to the Catholic church, but I remember being in some of the services saying, you yeah, know, this is really good, but my, my heart was yearning to receive the Eucharist. And I, and I, said, I remember looking at Julie, I said, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I think we, we got to go to the Catholic Church. I mean, this is not fair that I'm sitting in this pew trying to look like I'm in union with people around me and a pastor who is doing the best job he can do, and I'm not really in union with him. It's interesting that the, the concept that took you out of the Catholic Church into evangelicalism was the idea that unless you're born again by accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you won't see the kingdom. That's essentially what, That's right. what it was. That's right. In this passage, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. That's right. You know, if you, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life yeah and i will raise him up at the last day it's not so much having this personal relationship with jesus through just merely through faith it's it's more than that it's receiving him amen and entering into the body and the fullness of the community of what god has for us in the church and i think that's what is uh that's another thing I felt when I, and I, I don't know if you felt that too, when I entered the Catholic Church, some of the competition was gone because it was no longer a, a, um, an insatiable appetite to learn more. I, di- I didn't feel any more of, you know, I needed the new scriptural 
uh, zinger anymore. I didn't, knew, I didn't need another sermon to, to give me a zinger. Every Sunday I received the Eucharist was enough. I mean, it, it was enough to fill me. And I found myself loving God in a different way than just knowledge. I think one thing I, uh, th- the more I learned, um, I, I used to feel somewhat of a, a, a certain element of pride that I had learned so much scripture and have some kind of a spiritual, a um, little bit of a superiority feeling. And I, I, I kind of lost my will, my understanding how to love. And once I came into that new knowledge of what God had for me in the Eucharist, I forgot about trying to absorb every every bit of knowledge and let Jesus just permeate me through the Eucharist and I've learned more how to love I think and I and that's one thing I want to share with you know people that um, even young or Catholics that are coming into a deeper knowledge of the Eucharist if you want to learn how to love your spouse let the Eucharist be that let the Eucharist be that hub if you need to learn to love your kids take that Eucharist and and ask the Lord when you take that in to change you into the type of father you want to be, the type of husband you want to be, the type of employee you want to be, because the Eucharist is, uh, is I always call it, it's the atomic bomb of grace that we have at our disposal, and it's there for that. He wants to become that for us, and uh, that's why I love it, you know, I, and I always tell people, you know what, yeah, well, Mark, you know, you have just a deep understanding of the Eucharist. I said, I hope it's a lot deeper a year from now. <laughs> Because it is such a great, it's such an incredible mystery. Yeah. I'll never understand the complete mystery of the Eucharist, but I do know one thing. Every time I take it, every time I receive it, it it's like God just unveils another little truth yeah. about it and shows me the beauty of it. We use the word transubstantiation to describe it, and that's just maybe the best we can get to in our human limitations. Yeah. And literally what we're doing is taking Jesus' words for what he says. Amen. Amen. That's right. He was giving us himself. Yes. And that was how we would have an intimate relationship. He and us, us and him. Amen. He and the Father. That was the unity he called us to. Amen. Mark, thanks for joining us today. It's a pleasure. Again, our prayers to your wife. Thank you. I'll let her know. And continued recovery and uh, for the family to deal with the time of recuperation and everything. But thank you. Thank you for joining us on the program and also our prayers with your continued witness. All of you joining us here, thank you. I hope this has been an encouragement to you. You read John chapter 6, especially if you never have before, or if you have flippantly, read it from verse 1 all the way to the end and do it several times prayerfully. What is Jesus saying? How is he calling us to have an intimate, abiding relationship with him through the sacrament of his body and blood? God bless you all. Look forward to being with you again soon.